By your endurance, you will gain your lives. To those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, God will give eternal life. Romans 2.7 Hebrews 6.12 Do not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. The trouble is, is that I'm in a hurry. I'm in a hurry, but God isn't. That's the thing. How many of you are... Um, Used to watch Andy Griffith, or still watch Andy. How many like Andy Griffith? You know, everybody likes him, right? Well, on one of his shows, he had uh, one that was titled "Man in a Hurry." His name was Malcolm Tucker. I don't know if you remember this one or not. Reach back. He was a wealthy businessman from Charlotte, North Carolina, and he was on his way through. And on a Sunday morning, his car broke down outside of Mayberry about a couple of miles. So he had car trouble. Well, Malcolm walks the rest of the way, goes into Mayberry, and of all people, he meets Andy coming out of church. He was worshiping on a Sunday morning. Can you imagine that? And Andy offers to assist Malcolm, but he warns that it's nearly impossible to be able to get any kind of thing like a car fixed on a Sunday in Mayberry, anyway. So Malcolm starts to lose patience and uh, he wants to get going like now. He's got a business trip that he's making. This is important. So Andy got a hold of Wally. Wally is the filling station owner, if you'll remember Wally. And uh, he refuses to fix the car. He will not work on Sunday. He refused it. And that's his policy. He was going to stick to it no matter what. So the man is further troubled with that. Furthermore, as he goes back to, I think, Andy's house, he wants to use the telephone to make a call. Well, on the telephone, there happens to be at that time, and many of you here will not even identify with this, but it was called a party line. And there were sisters, the Mendelbright sisters, who were talking on a Sunday afternoon, because that's what they always did, because they were unable to really get around very well at all. And uh, so that really made him upset. And he goes, as he's back there at the, uh, the Andy Taylor house, he explodes into a tirade, starts screaming, and he says, the citizens of Mayberry are way behind this century. And uh, the whole world is in a space age. What's the deal happening here in Mayberry, North Carolina? It just shuts down because two old ladies' feet fall asleep. And so he gets uh, very impatient. Happens to be sitting out there on the porch with uh, Andy and Barney, and guess what they're singing? Church in the Wildwood. And he kind of calms down a little bit, and another character shows up by the name of Gomer, Gomer Pyle. And he informs Malcolm that he has a cousin, and his name is Goober. <laughs> and Goober has offered to fix the car. Well, later, Gomer returns with the car. Malcolm is very surprised that they fixed it. Matter of fact, there's no charge for the repair. And he, golly, everybody said <laughs> it was a clogged fuel line, no charge, no problem at all. Goober actually considered the fact that it was an honor to work on this particular machine, and what an honor it was for this car that he had. So as Mr. Tucker prepares to leave, he is really touched. 
by what has just happened. And he contemplates that whole afternoon and the whole activity of this hectic life that he's involved with. He looks at the characteristics of Mayberry life and he really was frustrated that at first and he started seeing that he had some priorities that he had to rearrange in his life. And uh, he decided to put his business on hold and stay in Mayberry for the night. <laughs> so all is well. He learned his lesson. Very impatient he was. But you know what? The thing is, that episode is actually very popular. I don't know if many of you remember it, but it was uh, very high up on the list of what people liked. And I think it is because people see themselves in Malcolm Tucker. We can all identify with the impatience of Malcolm Tucker. We can get caught up in those daily activities and the grind and the time uh, that you have that's so short and you have things to do. And we become blinded to everything else around us that's going on. And when things don't go our way, and sometimes you can go very low, or it seems like the lowest you can possibly go. seems that way. And sometimes when things don't go our way, what do we do? We explode. And we really show some things that need to be worked on. Life, it's been said, one man said this, life is what happens while you are busy making other plans. (laughs) The next time that something unexpected or something really bad happens, not if and when. It will happen, won't it? We all have these kind of struggles. Trials, we know, will make us stronger. Matter of fact, there's been somebody in here that I remember a long time ago that talked about patience. We won't say who it is. Penny. <laughs> I thought this, this is really good. Can I use this quote? It was about patience. And what was it? I don't, uh, you, you prayed for patience, and God gave you five boys. <laughs> five boys, yes. <laughs> yeah, don't even pray for patience. I had an inmate one time who came to me and said he wanted to pray for patience, and I said, are you sure? He said, yeah, I'm really having a hard time, and and so he came back and says, I got a Leon, a roommate whose name was Leon. And Leon was a very difficult person. And I told him, and so I have often used that example, and I said, be careful what you pray for, because you might get a Leon. <laughs> God always answers the prayer. But it's always, or many times, different than the way that we expected. Actually, we know that we already have patience because it's a fruit of the Spirit. So it's almost like, why pray for it? You do already have it, and of course we'll be developing that today. But we live in an instant, microwave, drive-through, I-want-it-now type culture, don't we? And I think we've succumbed to that very much. It's, It's really hard to come by, patience is. And if upset, we have to wait too long in a line, especially at this time of the year. It can be at a, at a McDonald's. It can be at the grocery store. It can be at Walmart. Waiting in the line. Or then you're waiting in the line, you're driving a car, and somebody is going 10 miles less an hour than what they should be going. You get stuck behind that guy. And all sorts of things. 
like that. But Scripture tells us that our lives are to be marked by patience. Matter of fact, that is a characteristic of a Christian. And we have all this fruit, love, joy, peace, patience. We have it already. It's in our possession. We own it. We own it. He gave it to us. It's a characteristic. And I know now you're saying, "Uh uh-oh. Now I'm really getting concerned because you're saying that I already have it and I know for sure I am not patient. (laughs) Don't feel by yourself. In fact, we uh, find ourselves to be very impatient. And as I, I was really thinking about this this week, and man, the more you think about this, you say, well, I've got this pretty well under control. I think I have patience with, with people and God and circumstances. And I really started paring down into it, and it got further during the, the week. And then as last night poured down, it's like, whoa, man, I can be really impatient in a lot of things. I know Carolyn could already told me that. <laughs> but, you know, we all have a fruit that we are to develop. And I want to tell you where it really hit me last night is that really impatience is a form of unbelief. That means impatience is what? A sin. Are you kidding me? I thought it was just being impatient. That's just natural. Yeah, that's the problem. It is natural, which is sin. Yes, any time that we are impatient, we sin. Because we're not trusting in God's timing or the goodness of His guidance. It springs up in our hearts and sometimes things get blocked there. And of course, we have a battle with, with impatience. We have a skirmish, you know, and of course we know the checkout lanes and all that, but sometimes we can have a major combat, a major war. And we're talking about health issues, disease, or circumstances that seem drastic. They, they knock you out of your dreams that you were shooting for. And look where I'm at now. Anyway, we know the text is Galatians 5.22. Originally, I wondered, I wonder how many weeks I can do this in. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> there are nine fruit of the Spirit there. We're doing one a week, I guess. Uh, there's so much to each one of these. How can you do the fruit of the Spirit one verse in one week when we, we look at this? It's so valuable. And this is a part of our lives. This, this is really us. We do have patience. But what do we do when we don't exhibit it? Right? So Galatians 5.22 says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Of which the law, what? We are not underneath that law. It's, it's a part of us. Having that Christ-like life. And we want to make that more displayed in our lives. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word, Your truth again. Help us to understand further. Have Your truth convict us And then also give us the balance of the grace that You have and Your forgiveness. And at the same time, You are the one who instills this great love and joy, this time of joy, this time of peace that we've been looking up the last few weeks. And now, patience. 
the true patience, and help us to understand what that is and make it more visible in our lives. You are the one that does it. The Holy Spirit really owns it. He lives in us. We have patience. Help us to really live that out. In Jesus' name, Amen. What is patience? Well, first of all, we're going to look at what impatience is. We've been kind of looking at that. The man drummed his fingers on the steering wheel furiously. He's grabbing that steering wheel and he's, you know, he's scanning all sides as he's sitting at the intersection and the light is still red. It's been red. It seems like 30 minutes now and it's still red. So he just looks around and he goes up and inches up a little bit further and a little bit further and stops, starts, starts, stops. And he shrugs his shoulders and then just moves on anyway. And we've kind of been there probably. Uh, there's the lady who stabbed the button in the elevator and she's been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And then finally she gets in the elevator and the door doesn't close and she keeps stabbing the elevator door. And, and it seems like 30 minutes later, might be three seconds later, she's getting upset. There's the man who's in the post office line and there are people way ahead of him and all he wants is a few stamps. Well, the guy up ahead wants more than just stamps. And so the man back there starts shaking his head and complaining to all the other people that are in the line how slow it is. And then he starts yelling, they're idiots! And he stomps out of there. (laughs) Countless daily examples of impatience. All of us have come to it. And uh, frustration can accumulate day after day. Frank wasn't known for his patience, a man named Frank. And he did not put up with negative conversation. And he wanted the conversations to be quick and snappy. You know, get to the point. Well, he got a call from his wife one day while he was at work. And it really wasn't uh, upbeat. A little bit negative. She was really kind of upset. And he said, get to the point. Be positive about it. She thought for a moment. Put on her best fake smile she possibly could as she's on the phone. She said, I discovered today that, you know, that what is those, those bags in the car? That they work great on that new BMW that you just bought. Yeah. <laughs> the airbags. You know what? That's a positive way to look at it. <laughs> um, he got his answer real quick. Impatience can take you two directions. One, and it can depend on your own personality. And it can depend on the circumstances. But one uh, kind is a temptation that you want to give up and just bail out. You want to quit. It's not going your way, so you just quit. Just forget it. I don't want this anyway. I don't want to stay in this marriage. I don't want to even live in this life. I don't want my you know whatever it is in in your in your life. You know I I quit. I I quit on life. That's that's one thing that we're tempted to do when we're impatient. Or another one is to make rash counter moves against what has come up against us. And if we don't turn our 
car around and go home, we might rush into some kind of ill-advised detour and we might uh, go some way that's out of the way and wind up going into a ditch just to beat the system. (laughs) If you're tempted not to wait on the very will of God, the peacefulness of God, if you're tempted to go without Him, you know that you're going to have a great spiritual warfare. And we must take up that sword anyway, right? As it says in Ephesians 6.17. There's an enemy called impatience. Well, what's the biblical way? We know all about that, don't we? We experience that. We experience it maybe quite often. It's a tough thing when you start thinking about it. The word patience is macrothumia. Macro meaning something that is long or big. Thumia is dealing with like a, a fuse. A long fuse. When somebody says something that you don't like or is very offensive, the bomb doesn't go off. You have a long fuse. That's long-tempered. A long fuse. It means to endure. A long time. It's like a marathon. Right? Macrothumia. It's, it's deepening. It's ripening. It's a, it's a peaceful willingness to say, I'm going to wait for God. I'm just going to wait on Him. Whether you are in the place of obedience or persevering through this stage you're going through. It's a road of obedience, but you're, you're on pace. And you know, it's not an option. It's not an option to be patient. God expects us to be that way. Faith is not an optional value, is it? Patience and well-doing is the fruit of faith. And we see that any patience that we have can never be divorced from love. Love, and out of that comes joy and peace. Patience. If you really love somebody, you're not going to blow off at them, are you? Right? Right at that very moment when you hear something, even though they shouldn't be saying what they're saying or doing. But it's a fruit of the Spirit. How would God be able to to do this? And, you know, He keeps us in the calm, steady in the practice of our duty or afflictions or our delay of hopes, things come along not the way that we were expecting. And patience says, I know that God is sovereign. I know that God is a God who is in control and I humbly submit to Him. So wherever I'm at right now, God knows it. I know He's sovereign and I know that He inflicts the trial and I'm going to be silent before a sovereign God and just desire whatever He wants. Now that is godly patience. And it takes the Holy Spirit in you to be able to think that way. You know that that's the right way. Now we can be obedient or disobedient to that, but that's really the way that uh, He wants us to to view that. In Psalm 130, verse 5, we see the psalmist battle against impatience in the hearts. In that Psalm 130, verse 5, it says, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits. And in this word, word, I hope. In this word is what I can do. I can look at the promises and know that He is absolutely sovereign. 
And He knows what's best for me, always. Waiting for the Lord, that's an Old Testament terminology, and it describes the very opposite of impatience. Waiting on the Lord. Impatience. It's the opposite of running ahead of the Lord, staying at your appointed place. So I think Psalm 130 verse 5 is a clear illustration of the battle that uh, impatience is and we can buttress our hope or, or faith in God. And to buttress that means to listen to the Word, especially His promises. Take the promises and realize He's sovereign and He's going to do what He says. That is what we do whenever we become impatient. How about the promise? You say, what are the promises? Let's go through a few of them. Isaiah 49, 23. Look at this. Those who wait for Me shall not be put to shame. Those who wait for Me will not be put to shame. I'm going to come through for you. I always have. That's what He's saying. Isaiah 64, 4. No eye has seen a God besides thee who works for those who wait for Him. Those who wait for Him. He knows. He sees it. You know the Isaiah 40.31. Those famous plaques they have in Christian bookstores. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. We could sing that one, couldn't we? (laughs) So, we battle unbelief. We battle it. We have the promises of God. And what we want to do is persuade our hearts that God's timing, that God's guidance... God's sovereignty is always there and there's something eternally valuable with what He's doing. There will come a blessing. Here's what's going to come at the end of the rainbow. There will come a blessing, a strength, a vindication, a mounting up with wings like eagles. Isn't that great? That's the way it does work. Yeah, it might be a negative circumstance, but really look at that positive aspect Think about those airbags that are in the car. <laughs> hey, they work. Um, three things dealing with biblical patience. It's going to deal with your circumstances are negative. It's going to deal with people, people who can be very troublesome, very difficult. And uh, of course, Luke pointed that out. Leon. And then, being patient with God. So, people, or circumstances, people, and God. That's what uh, mainly patience is dealing with. Uh, No matter how difficult it is, God had told Abraham, Abram, He'd make him a great nation. And He'd give Canaan to His descendants. Genesis 12. God made a promise. God never breaks it. God is always truthful. Never breaks a promise. Abraham and Sarah went for years, had no children. But what did God say? They had to wait past the child-bearing years 
that it would be beyond any kind of doubt at all. You hear of some late births, you know, sometimes ladies in their 50s. I don't know if it's gone as far as 60. Probably has. Pretty rare. (laughs) But you get 70 and then 80 and then 90. I mean, now we know we've gone past the natural realm here. God gave him a son. And Hebrews 6.15 it says, Having patiently waited... Abraham obtained the promise. He actually patiently waited. But during that time, he decided that he would probably kind of help out God and so did his wife, Sarah, right? But still yet, it was considered an enduring patience. Even though he was trying to help out God, God said, no, it's not time yet. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm talking about. But he really didn't waver in unbelief, it says. He grew strong in faith. If you look in Romans 4.20, which is an example of what faith is, and we're justified by faith, and here's, here's Abram, Romans 4.20, yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God. Did he stumble a little bit on the way? They really wonder what God was doing? Well, sure. That's why that example is given to us. Because when it's all said and done, he still trusted God though. He says, I know in the end God is going to do what He says. So that, that's good. He didn't waver in, in that unbelief in the sense that he still knew that God was going to bring it down in, in His way. Um, now that's, that's dealing with circumstances. Well, what about people? How about coping with difficult people? Has anybody ever had that problem at all? You guys aren't going to admit it, are you? I knew it. I didn't see a single hand up. I didn't ask for it. Because if I did ask for it, I think everybody would probably put their hand up. They'd first look and see if somebody else did it. Paul tells us to be patient with all men. That's found in 1 Thessalonians 5.14. It's a spirit that refuses to retaliate. A patient person bears insult. A patient person bears persecution. A patient person bears unfair treatment. A patient person bears slander. A patient person bears hatred. Have you ever had any of those things? Nobody puts their hand up, but yet we know that that has happened. Some of those anyway, at least, right? You know what? You can't even start a fight with a patient person. Because they're not going to fight you. They're going to fight you with the words or anything. Yeah, might defend God, but he really doesn't have to defend himself. Because if he's patient, he knows that God's will is always done. And God will repay all the wrongs that are done against you. And so you just let Him do that. Whatever happens to that person, the people who have treated you violently bad, all the things that have happened in your life, God will take care of that. may not see it. probably has in many ways. We don't have to really take revenge. Scripture tells us that, right? It's, it's him. So, uh, patience deals with 
people, it deals with circumstances. And how about being patient with God? Patience accepts God's plan for everything. Nothing goes past Him without Him knowing about it. And He could take that away. And often He does. How many times do we know how many times He's taken things away that could have happened to us? We can't even count them. Christ is always interceding for us. The Holy Spirit is always interceding for us in prayer. You know, almost all the time that is what's happening and we don't even recognize it. But there are some times, He says, I need them to learn a lesson here a little bit. Romans 8.28 says, We know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. If you are His, He's working it all out for your good. For the greater good, for your good. You say, I don't see how that's working right now. Okay. Alright. Don't believe it. But believe it. Because He really is. We'd like to deny that sometimes. Well, I sure don't feel it. Okay. But the feelings really don't matter. He's going to do what He's going to do, isn't He? So, God is in control. That's why He says rejoice always. Because we know that as we're waiting in patience, He is going to do things and He's going to make it right. Patience of God towards sinners. Wow. Look in Romans chapter 2, verse 4. Or do you think lightly of the riches of His kindness and tolerance and patience? Not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? That's how you became saved. We were enemies. We hated God. We didn't want anything to do with Him. And He was so kind. He was so tolerant. He was so patient. He was so kind that He gave us repentance. He led us to repentance. Man, that's a patient God, isn't it? How about Romans 9.22? Now, this is a baffler. Boy, some people have a little trouble with this one, but it's dealing with the sovereignty of God. What if God, although willing to demonstrate His wrath, God is a God of justice and He will have wrath. What if God, although willing to demonstrate His wrath and to make His power known, endured, look at this, with much patience, vessels of wrath prepared for destruction. I am glad that I have been a vessel prepared by God for His glory. But at the same time, and and don't even try to wrap your brain around this. I mean, this is incredible. This is high thinking of God. And our finite minds eventually can't even really understand this, but yet we have to believe it. He makes His power known. And whenever He does judge, and He judges with His wrath, His total anger against sin, it's best seen at the cross where He violently, where Christ was violently killed by men, but that being God's plan. 
He took it out. He took our sin and took it out of there. Christ did it. But in this sense, the ones who are not His, He still has much patience. He endures. They're held responsible for their own sin. Their sin of unbelief. You can say, yeah, I can't understand it. God chooses and, and, and still He doesn't choose other people and, and there are vessels that are prepared for destruction. But He has much patience the whole time with them. Otherwise, He could judge them as soon as they're, they've done enough sin. Well, how much is enough sin? One. Boy, that is patient, isn't it? Isn't that patient? Well, He was patient with us. How about Second Peter chapter 3, verse 15? 2 Peter 3.15 And regard the patience of our Lord as salvation. Because it's such an attribute of God. He is patient. Remember? He is love. He is joy. He is peace. He is patience. He is that. It defines who He is. It's so much of His being. And regard the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given him, wrote to you. Regard the patience of our God for us, which, you know, He gave us salvation. Without that patience, He could have wrathfully destroyed us. In general, this patience is opposed to all the hastiness that we can have towards God or man or towards the circumstances. I will bear whatever indignation, whatever trials God gives towards Christian people who justly reprove us even. It's let the righteous smite me. Towards the wicked and unreasonable people who love to see others afflicted, it says, Rejoice not against me, O my enemy. And towards the trials under which people are afflicted, it says, Have kind receptions of it. God's doing a work. All those delays, all the time that we could <coughs> complain, we don't complain. Leaving everything in the hands of God. Hebrews 10, 36 and 37. You have need of patience. That after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. He's always going to come through with that promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Christ will come back. We'll look for that ultimately, don't we? So there's number one. Wow, Okay. Who's the source of peace? The triune God. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. He is the very cause. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. He is the God of patience. He is the author of it. He generates it. He requires it. And we are to exercise it toward Him, towards others, towards the circumstances. That comes from John Gill. Like that? Romans 15, 5 and 6. Gill based a, a message off of that. It starts with God the Father. 
Every good gift comes from above. You think of that in Hebrews and Romans 15, 5. Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Jesus Christ. With one accord, you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Before that, he was talking about the reproaches of those who reproached you. He says, now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement. Think of the Father there. How about God the Son? Oh, the patience of Christ. Incredible, isn't it? Look in 2 Thessalonians 3.5. Ah, the promises. And then you look at where it's really coming from. It can't come from the world. It can't come from any book. It comes from the very, very Spirit of God. It comes from God the Son. 2 Thessalonians 3, 5. May the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the steadfastness, endurance, patience of Christ. Christ. He works in the hearts of His people. He endured mockery. He endured contradiction. He endured scourging. He endured death at the cross, at the hand of man. All the treachery and the desertion by His own people. And the hiding of the Father's face at that time. It all came on Him at once and He bore it all. And it was done in a blameless way. How much patience is that? Not My will, He said to the Father, but Thine be done. As He was in the garden praying. Perseverance, forbearance, quiet endurance, unflinching obedience in that, triumphing over all those temptations. God, the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, right? You get that Galatians 5.22. So all three persons are concerned in this. Uh, do you have your triune glasses on? <laughs> Example of peace, Abraham we gave already. How about Job? Is that a pretty good example of peace as far as men are concerned? Ye have heard of the patience of Job. I think that's found in James, James 5.10. There it's talking about prayer. He says in 10, As an example, brethren, of suffering and patience. As an example. Take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. So the prophets. And then he says, We count those blessed who endured, who were very patient. You have heard of the endurance of Job, the patience of Job, and have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings, that the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. We saw the end of the story on Job, didn't we? God used that story. Of course, you think of Jesus, how great was His patience. You can think of Peter. What kind of patience did He have with Peter, right? He became a coward, Peter did. He dishonored the Lord, but the Lord spared him. Bore with him, gently rebuked him, and loved him. Boy. And of course, Christ, whenever He was like a sheep before the shearers, was silent. He was submitting in His Meek silence. Forbearing Savior, isn't He? 
And then you think of some of the great missionaries in the world who were very patient. William Carey, for example, labored seven years before there was a Hindu convert. Seven years! Adoniram Judson. You ever want to hear a story, a biography? Read Adoniram Judson. It'll bring you to tears. Boy, did he go through some tests. He toiled seven years before his faithful preaching was rewarded. Western Africa, it's 14 years before there was a convert. In New Zealand, it took nine years. In Tahiti, it took 16 years. The first harvest of souls began quite some time after. Wow. The duty of patience is illustrated. We're getting near the end. The duty of patience. We have a duty. It's our very fruit. It's what's in us. If we look in James 5.7, we'll see. It's a farmer. James 5.7, Therefore be patient. Patient, that's our key word. Brethren, until the coming of the Lord. Until He comes back, be patient. The farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it until it gets the early and late rains. Don't you like that? The farmer, that's a great illustration. He's totally dependent upon the rain, the sun, everything that God does on His crops. It's totally dependent upon God. That's a pretty good illustration, the farmer. and That's why James uses that. So, another one is the watchman. In Psalm 130, verse 5 and 6, you have a watchman. The watchman has to be very patient. He uses a farmer. He uses a watchman. I wait for the Lord. My soul does wait. And in His Word... I do hope the promises. This is what I hope in. My soul waits for the Lord more than the watchman for the morning. He watches and watches all night. He endures through that until the sun starts coming up. The calm sunshine comes out. In Psalm 123, verse 2, then you have a servant. So we have a farmer. We have the watchman. And then also in Psalms... 123.2 We get the servant. A servant has to be really patient. Really patient. Behold, as the eyes of the servants look to the hand of their master. As the eyes of a maid to the hand of her mistress. So our eyes look to the Lord our God until He is gracious to us. Keep looking. Be patient. And then the hired man that Job talks about. He longed for his reward. And he had too much principle just to desert his work to do to, to defraud his employer or anything, but the going down to the sun, he looked for pay. He looked for what that was coming. And that's what Job did. Through all the sores and the misery and everything that he went through. Number five, this is the last one. We're there. I know you're saying, oh, the last one how long is this going to be well I'm going to test your patience <laughs> no it's found in Hebrews 12.1 let us run with patience or you might be familiar with endurance let us run with patience the race that is set before us it's a marathon it's not the 100 meter sprint it's a marathon 
That race is our course of life that God has destined for us. You preach to your own soul. Preach your soul with the warnings and the promises. Keep digging up those promises. We've given some of them this morning to you. There are many more. But look what God promises to us. Rest in that. Be quiet in Him and trust. And He's going to make us strong. He's going to save us. He'll bless us if we wait patiently. He will reward. He always does. I think every one of us would probably have a story whenever we were going through some terrible low time. And then put us up on the mountaintop for a while. Lord's good to those who wait for Him. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Have you ever been tossed about on some bed of sickness? Or where you've had days of pain and nights of weariness? Be patient. The Lord knows. God, by this very affliction, is taking it. He's nurturing. He is making you understand His patience, His grace, His kindness. And it works for us as the tribulation which works patience. Sometimes it's needful discipline. The tribulation that works patience. I think that's in Romans 5, isn't it? Are you suffering some unmerited wrong or some unkindness to you? Some kind of wounding accusations? It's hard for the flesh and blood to bear. We know. Really hard. Well, be patient. Be patient. Beware of some kind of hastiness of speech or something that gets you in trouble. Your temper, beware. Remember, just some unconsiderate word, what it can do. But think of Christ. Thinking of Christ standing before a, a human tribunal, making judgments upon Him, the God, the Creator of the universe, and yet He was silent at the time whenever He could have said, I am innocent. Well, look at all the integrity that He had. Leave your cause with God. Let Him take care of it. Oh God, I am oppressed. Undertake for me. And I close with Isaiah 30.18. This is encouraging. Ready for this? Listen to this. This is a promise. And this is really good to memorize. Blessed are all those who wait for the Lord. Blessed are all those who wait for the Lord. Let's all say that. Blessed are all those who wait for the Lord. You will be blessed. Let's pray.